since Christmas is only a couple days away, I decided to re-release an old favorite. Now, in this recording, I did it back when I had no good equipment. I just I had a Blue Yeti microphone, which is good, but wasn't what I have now. And, you know, the, the quality wasn't as good. And I didn't uh, really find my groove. Uh, some would argue I really haven't yet. But, nonetheless, it was still a fun episode to do. And a lot of people liked it. So I'm going to re-release it. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope everybody out there has a really Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. A Happy New Year. Uh, I want to release an episode next week, but, you know, I also want to spend a lot of time with my family. So I can't promise you anything. We'll see. If not, I'll check you in the new year. And uh, just everyone be safe out there. Have a great time. Try to be with loved ones if you can. And uh, watch a bunch of movies. But mostly the one featured here. Hey, everybody. I need to talk to you about something. Um, It's really bothering me. I don't know, this year more than any other year, it's bothering me. And I just don't, I don't know how to deal with it. It's beginning to be too much to handle, honestly. I mean, I I just don't understand why people can't just accept that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. podcast about nothing and everything. We're not here to take jabs at the infamous Dr. Seuss. This is a show where I tell stories, share some original works, and dive into topics like art, pop culture, weird inventions, and anything having to do with cubby wubby room room tea. So sit back, put on some clothes, and listen to the just okay sounds of your host, me, Sam I Am. Here we go. What I'm trying to prove is that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Everyone should know it is. Because it is. And throughout this podcast, I'm going to give you reasons as to why I know that it's a Christmas movie. There might be spoilers in this, um, but the movie did come out in the 80s. So, back off. Okay. And if you haven't seen it, there are a few of you out there. I know there are. Do yourself a favor and find a copy for Christmas Eve. I watch it every year. I've watched it every single Christmas Eve for I don't know how long. I remember watching it when I was a kid on Christmas Eve. And I think it's been ever since. It's a tradition for my house. My, My wife will watch it. She just doesn't. Now it's her cousin. You know, we have a Christmas Eve party. He'll stay later. We'll watch the movie. Before two years ago, he never saw it. So I had to introduce it to him. And now it's a yearly thing. She used to watch it with me before that. And she would, again, like if he wasn't available and I had it on, she would watch it. And she would just fall asleep to it. But thankfully, her cousin comes over and we get to watch it together. So I've been doing that for years. And 
you know, once it becomes a tradition, then it's hard to, to break it. But it's not one of those things I want to break. You know why? Because it's a Christmas movie. I love Scrooged. Scrooge is like my, my second favorite to watch um, before Christmas. And usually I'll watch that Christmas Eve Eve. And then I watch um, Die Hard Christmas Eve. But anyway, back to the point. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So if you haven't seen it, go do it now before I ruin things for you. And if you have seen it and don't care for it, I mean, everyone can have their opinion, I guess, right? I mean, I don't know. Is it still America? I don't know. For now, it is. Today, as of the recording, it's still America. So you're free to think whatever you want. Come back in a couple months and we'll see where we're at. Now that I've rambled enough, let's get into why this is a Christmas movie. So at the very beginning, John McClane comes into an airport. He arrives in California. We know it's California because um, of this one instance where a woman jumps into the arms of, of her boyfriend or something, and John McClane references it and says, blah, 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 California. Okay, so we're in California. John McClane gets into a limo. Um, oh, before that, John McClane is carrying a teddy bear with a red bow on it. It's a massive teddy bear and it has a red bow. Why would he be carrying a teddy bear with a red bow? Well, lots of people have teddy bears with their bows. Okay, sure. But what colors are synonymous with Christmas? There's green. There's white. And there was... I think there's one more. Red! Red! And a red bow. Thankfully, that's just what I'm starting with, okay? So you can say whatever you want about a red bow. Whatever. No big deal. It could be Valentine's Day. Sure. Moving on. John McClane gets into a limo. The limo driver is playing music, and John McClane says, don't you have any Christmas music? Why would he want Christmas music? Could it be because it's Christmas? And the limo driver answers, man, this is Christmas music. Okay, so John McClane wanted Christmas music. He got it. This is Christmas music, so the limo driver says. Why would the limo driver be listening to Christmas music if it weren't Christmas? And why would John McClane want Christmas music if it were July? He wouldn't. Okay, so they get to Nakatomi Plaza, which is a building in California. It's in L.A. We'll get to that later. When John McClane enters the building, he goes to the front desk and says that he's looking for um, Holly McClane or something. The, the guy behind the desk says, key it in over there. He just points. The guy's watching football. He's not paying attention. So John McClane goes over to this computer screen, and it's a touchscreen, which for 1988, I didn't even know they had touchscreen back then, but they did. And he's punching in his wife's name, and, you know, she's she kept her maiden name because they're kind of separated. And they're not, they're not divorced, but they're not living together, you know. He's a New York cop, needed to stay in New York. She's a career woman who got a, a tremendous opportunity. You know, she's like second in command at this massive corporation. And it, the, the owners of the corporation are Japanese and they, they value family. So the fact that, you know, she had McLean, but McLean wasn't around, that didn't, that didn't bode well for them. So they're like, 
No, just use your maiden name. Okay. I'm getting off topic. So when he finds his wife's name, it, it comes up and says, like, the 30th floor. And the guy who, by the way, yeah, this guy, okay. So John McClane says 30th floor. And the guy says, oh, that's the Christmas party. That's the Christmas party. They're the only ones left in the building. Why? 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 Would he make John McClane enter a name of somebody if he knew beforehand that no one was left in the building except the people on the 30th floor because of a Christmas party? Why would he make him go through the whole jumping through hoops of keying into the, the, the screen, you know, blah, 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 blah. It was probably just to show off that, you know, we have touchscreen capabilities. Okay, doesn't matter. That guy doesn't make it. Spoiler alert. I think I'm supposed to say that before I say the thing. He goes up to the 30th floor. Guess what? It's a party. What kind of party? Christmas party. There's a tree. There's lights. It's Christmas. Everyone's drinking, having a great time. It's a Christmas party. Okay? All right. I'm not going to go, you know, scene by scene, which I could. I've seen it enough times. I could do that. But I'm not going to bore you with that. Although, it wouldn't be boring. I should do it. I can't do it. Copyright reasons. Okay. So later on, John McClane is dealing with these terrorists and he's on like the 32nd floor at this point in new construction. Nakatomi Plaza, Nakatomi building, Nakatomi Plaza, whatever is a massive building and, you know, several floors under construction. We know that because one, we see it. And two, the president of Nakatomi says it. And he gets into the fight with the terrorist. And when he, when he defeats the terrorist, he kills him, okay? He puts a hat on the terrorist's head after tying him to a chair. What kind of hat, you may ask? A Santa hat. Why a Santa hat? Because it was just laying around. You know, someone left it over from the last Christmas party. No! It's because it's a Christmas party right now. It's the day before Christmas, and there was a Santa hat laying around. So he put it on him, and then he wrote, Now I have a machine gun on his sweater. And then, ho, ho, ho. Okay. You know, John McClane, the character, he's sarcastic, and he he put ho, 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 and the Santa Claus hat because it's Christmas time. Holly McClane speaks to her daughter on the telephone. And the daughter answers... And the daughter asks if daddy will be home for Christmas. Mommy, Holly McLean, says, well, we'll see what mommy and Santa can do. Okay, not a Christmas movie, right? Moving on. Later on, the whole, the whole premise of the, the movie is these terrorists are seeking to gain access to a vault that has like 10 levels of security or seven levels of security, something like that. And they bring in an IT guy and he, he needs to crack these codes. And he talks to Hans Gruber about gaining access to the final vault door. And he said it would take a miracle. And Hans Gruber replies, it's Christmas, Theo. It's the season for miracles. He says it's Christmas. Why would he say it's Christmas? Because it is Christmas. That's why he said it. The LAPD, I told you we'd come back around to LA. The LAPD are there. Why? Because it's in LA. Okay? I'm I'm hammering that in for a reason, and we'll get to that after this point. The IT guy who's in charge of, you know, um, not only get into the vault and the computers and stuff like that, but he's also in charge of the cameras. So he can see what's going on on the outside. 
So once the LAPD is a big presence, along with the FBI, he gets onto the, the radio and becomes the MC. And he he's tactical at this point. He's doing logistics. And he starts laying out where everyone is as far as the LAPD goes. And he, he begins by saying, "'Twas the night before Christmas." He says, "'Twas the night before Christmas." Why? Because it is the night before Christmas. He, he references that poem, okay, to tell everyone where everyone was. So he says, "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was staring except... And then he goes through the tactical pattern of the SWAT team that's coming up. Speaking of the "'Twas the night before Christmas,' There's a comedian and actor named uh, Doogie Horner who wrote a Christmas book. It's a Christmas book. Do you know what it's about? I'll tell you. One, because I can't hear you. And two, because I have it right here. It's called A Die Hard Christmas, the illustrated holiday classic. Let's see. Let me just make sure. There's lights. There's snow. Yeah, it says Die Hard Christmas. Christmas. Okay? And he wrote this in the same theme as the it guy was announcing the arrival of the lapd it begins twas the night before christmas and up in the tower okay i can't read more because of copyright issues not that anyone's listening to this but if they ever do i could get hit by something and i didn't ask permission to use the this guy's story but check it out doogie horner a diehard christmas so him and the it guy on the same page and they use the prose twas the night before christmas in order to tell the story we go through the movie under the assumption the entire time that Christmas is referenced so many times. It's, a re- it's referenced so many times. Okay? And the way the movie ends, where they start rolling the credits, there's a song. Do you know what song it is? I'll tell you. It's Let It Snow. My whole life I knew that was a Christmas song. It was a song that was played at Christmas. Right? It's a Christmas song. Let It Snow. And of course, uh, I can hear people saying, yeah, but maybe they just wanted snow. You know, because snow anytime. Sure. However, most of the movie is inside of a building. You don't see much of the outside, except when the cops and the, the... Except when the LAPD and the FBI are conversing with Al, played by uh, Reginald Vale Johnson from Family Matters, is talking to John McClane on the radio. So you see the outside a little bit. There's no snow. Why? Because it's L.A. So if you want to say, well, maybe they wanted the snow. Yeah, maybe they do. But why now? Maybe because it's Christmas and snow is synonymous with Christmas. Everyone wants a white Christmas. Except my brother-in-law, he, you know, because snow equals work. And he'd rather wait until after Christmas. However, we just had a snowstorm, so he's, he's already beginning. But that's not the point. The point is, it's California. California! It's a Christmas song. They're not talking about wanting snow. <sighs> I feel my eyes just like... I think I think they're bleeding. Someone might say, well, for it to be a Christmas movie, it should have a Christmas message. Okay, it could. I mean, Serendipity technically is a Christmas movie, but it's not really. It doesn't have that Christmas message. It has a different message. It has a, you know, the message of hope. So that that is Christmassy, but it it starts at Christmas, so it's a Christmas movie. It doesn't go like the whole thing is over a span of years. It doesn't end at Christmas; it just begins at Christmas. So, but it's still a Christmas movie. But Die Hard actually takes place on Christmas Eve, right? Okay, so no Christmas message. Okay, how about the message? Don't mess with the New Yorker on Christmas. 
That's a good message. Or or if you're a terrorist holding Americans hostage on Christmas Eve, that an angry New Yorker will wreck your night so the innocent can go home and have eggnog with their kids. How about that kind of message? That's a message. It's a Christmas message. I want to go home and have some eggnog with my children because it's Christmas Eve. I, I don't know. Do you need more? I mean, I, the, the whole time it's Christmas. There's Christmas lights everywhere. I think I've made my point. It's a Christmas movie. You know, it's not the Santa Claus, even though he is referenced a couple times in this movie. But it, it's it's a Christmas movie. I've I've made my point. I'm satisfied. You should be too. Okay, so let's get into why I like this movie. And it's not just because it's a Christmas movie, because it is, but it's a fantastic movie. You know what? I don't need to go into why I like it. I mean, it was the beginning of Alan Rickman's American debut. You know, no one knew who he was outside of the London theater, where he gained so many accolades for being such a fantastic theater actor. But when he was in this movie, like, I mean, he brought that character to life. And that voice is now, I mean, I would say most people cannot hear his voice and not know who it is. You know, I mean, even if you don't know his name, you know who it is, whether by his character or by his actual name, Alan Rickman. There was a part in the movie where at the end, spoiler alert, Hans Gruber dies. He's let go from the building. John McClane shoots him. Hans grabs Holly and falls out a window and John McClane jumps and grabs his wife while, you know, Hans Gruber's holding onto her arm. And that moment was filmed inside of a studio and they were 20 feet up in the air. The whole thing was they were going to count to three and then Hans, you know, Alan Rickman would let go and fall 20 feet onto a mat. Okay. He, he knew that at the bottom was a mat. He was terrified of heights, but he knew that he was going to fall into a mat. Okay. So he, he made them promise that they would, you know, wait until three and then, and then let me go so I can, you know, embrace myself. The, the director had other plans in mind and had them let go at two. And so if you, if you Google Hans Gruber Die Hard or Die Hard Hans Gruber, you'll come up with a picture. I mean, most likely it'll be like the first picture of him falling and the terrified look in his face. It's unbelievable, but that was a real expression because he was actually let go without knowing. He was let go before the cue. And that look of sheer terror, it was absolutely phenomenal. Now, he's a really good actor, or he was, he was, rest in peace. He was a fantastic actor, and I believe he could have pulled off a face that was similar. You know, not many can feign surprise. But to get that that quality shot, the director knew he had to let him go, and, and it worked. It was fantastic. The way he's able to enunciate words to the point where it's a drawl, like he's McLean. He drags out some of the, the syllables in the word, and it's just a fantastic portrayal of this character done by an amazing actor. I love it. It's it's a great movie. I only watch it once a year. I, I kind of keep it to that. Uh, I don't watch Christmas movies throughout the year. It's only before Christmas. Usually Christmas Day, I, I don't even really watch anything. Die Hard is my absolute favorite. 
I watch it once a year so that it, it's almost like you're watching it for the first time, even though I can recite most of the lines by heart, even though a lot of the German that they speak. And a fun fact, the the actors, like there weren't many actors that were actually German or from Germany in the film. Uh, Bruce Willis, believe it or not, is actually he's born in Germany. But most of the actors didn't know how to speak German, including Alan Rickman. And so a lot of what they speak is gibberish. But they later on dubbed it because theatrical release was gibberish, basically. And then they dubbed it over for the international release and for DVD and stuff like that and for what you see on TV now. And they they made it into real German. Another fact, Bruce Willis was not the original person that they wanted for this role. In fact, he was, other than something I think he did with Clint Eastwood in in, in a movie... He was only in Moonlighting. Like, he wasn't a film star yet. This was technically just like Alan Rickman. This was like his debut. And he was the sixth person on the list. No one knew him. And because of fate, like, some, the, the person they finally got, you know, like the fifth person down, they finally got them to commit, that person had to drop out right at the last minute. And Bruce Willis was brought in. And he was paid, which in 1988, this is an astronomical... I mean, this is... This is big for nowadays, but $5 million, $5 million for his first role in a movie. And the reason that he got paid that much, it wasn't because they were desperate for an actor. His bookie, his agent, that's what it is, threw a Hail Mary and said, let's ask for $5 million. And they gave it to him. No one was making $5 million at that time, especially not a new actor. And so right off the bat, he was a film star. You know, I mean, they didn't even think that it was going to do well, especially with a no name. And in most of the ads, they only had the, the picture of Nakatomi, like partly on fire. They didn't have Bruce Willis on the front, on the on the billboards or anything. Like later on, they added him. Like the, the most iconic one now is Nakatomi basically on fire and then this big profile shot of John McClane holding a gun. And then it became an overnight success. And now, obviously, there's there's several of them. There's Die Harder, which takes place, again, at Christmas Eve. So that is also a Christmas movie. And there's, you know, Die Hard the Vengeance. Um, it doesn't matter. All the other ones. It's it's a franchise. I think they're making another one. And that launched his career. Same with Alan Rickman. I mean, without this movie, I mean, he would have found something else, obviously, later on. But it was such a massive success. He was such a great actor in it that it launched his career as well. So those are some uh, fun facts. I used there was a game, a video game based on the movie. In fact, it was actually based on the first three movies: Die Hard, Die Harder, and Die Hard with a Vengeance. And each movie, it was all in one game, but they each had their own like individual game inside of it. The first one was the only real good game. The second one was kind of weird, and the third one was like a, a driving game, and um, it wasn't as good. The first game was awesome. I mean, you you basically went up the floors of Nakatomi Plaza. Started in the basement, which John McClane didn't start there. He started in the lobby. And you make your wall, your your way up. And basically, the the premise is you defeat terrorists on every floor and save hostages. That's basically every floor. And once in a while, you go up to the roof and you, you save more hostages. You kill some more bad guys. And the goal is to get all the way up to the very top, defeat the boss, and save everybody. And then you're done. Um, it was a fun game. I actually bought it again a few years ago, so I actually have the original copy, but I can't play it on anything, so I had to play it on a, a simulator online. 
It's really just floor by floor. Each floor is a little bit different, but some are the same. They just put obstacles in different areas, and it's really, you're just shooting things and, and saving people. Die Hard. It's a Christmas movie. I think uh, all of you that are listening can uh, agree with that now. And because I can't hear you, because it's a one-way conversation and this is pre-recorded, I'm right. And you're wrong. Welcome to the party, pal. It's one of the lines from the movie. It's not only referencing the fact that uh, John McLean is welcoming Al, Officer Al, to the party, um, but it's also, you know, the party of, of defeating bad guys, but also Christmas party. It's saying welcome. Welcome to the Christmas party. If you, if you don't, don't know what I'm talking about because you haven't seen it, uh, John McLean basically, he calls the police to tell them that Nakatomi Tower has been taken over by terrorists. So they send uh, a black and white over, which is a cop car. And this cop ends up being uh, Officer Al, played by Reginald Val Johnson. He goes inside. One of the terrorists assumes the position of the front desk person just to like make sure no one comes in. And you know, he has this really bad Texas accent. The cop doesn't see anything wrong. So he, he goes back out and is going to drive away. And then John McClane throws a terrorist. He basically wheels a terrorist out of the window of like the 32nd floor and the terrorist falls onto the cop car scaring the crap out of officer al i can't remember his last name i don't know why i can't remember his last name but then he says welcome to the party pal and you know yippee kaye bleep bleep um that was actually an ad lib line done by bruce willis and he was doing it just to like make people laugh but it ended up becoming this this phrase that's synonymous with the movie and you can't you can't talk about it without hearing that that phrase in your head. And it was... Uh, I like moments like that when it's someone comes up with something and ends up being nothing at the moment, but everything later on. That's really cool. Did you know that Rudolph's red nose is probably the result of a parasitic infection of his respiratory system? According to Roger Highfield, the author of the book, The Physics of Christmas, from the aerodynamics of reindeer to the thermodynamics of turkey, the world's most famous reindeer has a red nose due to a parasite. However, Rudolph's relationship with this parasite is symbiotic. After all, the red nose illuminates the path through the winter night for the whole reindeer team. So, Rudolph is basically a parasite. I think that's how I read that. And Jingle Bells was written for Thanksgiving, not for Christmas. Did you know that? It was the first uh, song broadcast through space, but it was originally written in 1857 by James Lord Pierpont to basically commemorate the Medford sleigh races. And I guess that was taking place during Thanksgiving. I have no idea. Um, And it wasn't called Jingle Bells. It was called One Horse Open Sleigh. Why it became a Christmas song, I don't know. That's not for me to try to figure out or justify. Uh, You have Google. You figure it out. Wow, he sounded angry. He was right, though. It's a Christmas movie. I have a great, great friend who has another podcast with somebody else. And the two of them disagree on it being a Christmas movie. One of them is wrong. You know, I don't have to tell you which one. It's Seamus. Seamus is wrong. Seamus, you're wrong. Sorry, buddy. But it's a Christmas movie. Sam I Am just proved it. Me, I just proved it. <laughs> I'm Sam I Am. I proved it. Come on, everybody. It's not a kid's Christmas movie. I, I don't think I 
Did I say that in the episode? I don't know. It's not for kids. I'll tell you that much. But maybe. No, just kidding. Not for kids at all. Go see it, though. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely a Christmas movie. Have I said that yet? Again, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. Be safe. Hopefully I see you before the new year. But just in case, enjoy and see you, not see you in 2022. Thank you for listening to No Green Eggs. Please remember to like and subscribe on whichever platform you're using to listen to us. The producer for the show is Eovino Consulting, which are also the editors, contributors, writers, food suppliers, bathroom cleaners, and overall everything of the podcast. The musical director is Donnie Ronaldo. You can check out his work on YouTube, Spotify, under Project Mailed by Dominic Ronaldo. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No Green Eggs Podcast. And visit NoGreenEggs.com to stay up to date with latest information and to find out how you can support the podcast. Thank you for listening.